It is a Thursday edition of the Jack Michael Show, coming to you live and direct from our studios at 1020 South 25th Street in Fargo. Those studios, the OMG, the Gunderson's Jeweler Studio. I just realized that I've seen some recent photos of Sly Stallone. He turned 77 today, Brad, and boy, am I way not as good a shape as Sly Stallone is. 77 years old today, and he's still kind of cut. You know, he's still looking pretty good. Not too bad, not too shabby. Has he, um, I think some Botox, something going on with his face there, isn't there? I think he's there? had some work. Yeah, it seems like he's been, uh, they've been worked on a little bit. If you had, uh, and without looking just off the top of your head, because let's not kid ourselves, when Rocky came out, and for those of us, I guess, are a little bit older to understand, when you know, Rocky came out, I believe I went to it in the, at the Snyder or the Grand Theater in Williston. And and uh, so I'm thinking, what, 80-ish, Brad? Probably right, 80... The first Rocky? Yeah, the first well, original. Was in the 70s. Late 70s, probably maybe? Probably mid... I think it was mid-70s. 77, 70... I, I wanna, I, I'm a, I was a youngster, but I remember going to it. Uh, I felt, 76. Okay, well, you're right. So, and I was a, a youngster, and Rocky came out, and uh, the movie was so good that you walked out, and you just wanted to fight... You wanted to be a fighter. You like you walked out like air boxing out of the movie mm-hmm. That's how good Rocky was, you know. And 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 Sly turned seventy seven. So in nineteen seventy six, that came up. So I, I just for kicks and, and and giggles, you know. I think that would be my off the top of my head favorite Sly Stallone movie. And then on the bottom end, what would be the opposite of your favorite Sly Stallone movie? And I, I haven't seen a number of them because he was, you know, Rambo would argue, I would argue when Rambo came out again, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not, you know, and, and he's out protecting, that had the war theme and, the, and, the, and he was uh, trying to gain respect, you know, back from, so the Rambos moved me as well. Sly put forth some movies in the day. I mean, he made you, he moved you. So if you had to pick off the top of your head. You ever see Over the Top? Another great movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when he would, you know, he's, he had, didn't have custody of his son, right? right? And his he's Lincoln his, Hawk. You know, was his arm name? wrestling. Right, wasn't it? Like Lincoln Hawk. Competition. Yes, and, and then whenever he put his hat backwards, that's when he, and he rolled. That's when you knew the, the wrestling, the wrist <laughs> wrestling was over. He would wrench you down. And, and uh, I, I got to tell you, I think over the top, <laughs> over the top would rank. High. So your favorite, and then maybe your least favorite, Sly Stallone movie. What Judge what? Dredd's got to be kind of towards the. Uh, <laughs> I was looking it up and I forgot about that. I, said, uh, I, I think I saw that one. It was not good. Yeah, not good. I'm not going to Google. I'm going to force my brain to think of my least favorite. Stop or my mother will shoot you. No, what oh, is it? Yeah, stop or my mother mom will shoot. Yeah, that's what. It is. Not my mother will shoot you. Yeah, stop that's or my mom will shoot. shoot. I don't think I saw all of that, but that maybe is a good requisite. <laughs> why? Why maybe it might finish at my bottom. Maybe we'll, uh, yeah, 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 I was going to say, we can make that the text club question today and good hard hitting. Usually we save those for Fridays, but I looked at it and Sly is 77. Which and Rocky is your favorite? The first one? I, I think, you know, when the 80s came and it was always USA Cold War going on mm-hmm. and they had so Rocky of, four. Yeah. 
and you know the Politburo's out there, and he's trying to turn not just the fight. If I can get along, and we can get along, you know, then we all can get on. You know, there's that whole yeah. thing, and and you have Dolph uh, Lunger in there, and mm-hmm. and Ivan Dre. I must break you. I must break you. The uh, that's not a bad one because it it fed into what the scene was like, what you felt like in the '80s, you know. But I think that first one, and and the kicker is, you know, he didn't win the first one, right? You know, but I walked out of that movie theater, and again, as a young guy, I wonder what the age limit was to go in, because I'm pretty sure if I was a Rocky, I don't think it would have been. That one would have rated R, would it? I don't think so. I mean, Burgess Meredith was just fantastic in that. I think because of the, the, it, it was just something that we hadn't seen something like that before, and it moved you. I, I think I'd still put the original Rocky in there. Even now, when it's on, I could appreciate the old school. You know, he was a—he was what you call not a hit man. He was a, like a collector, a, a loan shark collector. You know, was his job there in Philly? He's pounding meat, and then you know he meets Talia Shire there for the first time, and she she plays her role. I, I'm talking myself into it. I think I'm going to put Rocky one still. I am, um, but the stop or my dredge will shoot you, or Judge Dredge, or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, those are going to be some of my four because four is my childhood. Actually, the one where he beats Mr. T is high, to me is highly Clubber underrated. Beat, when he beat Clover Lang in Rocky Three. May I quote, "I pity the fool." Yes, yes, that's where we first that was right. That was right at the peak of Mr. T's uh, fan or uh, uh, stardom there. Sly seventy-seven. George W. Bush is seventy-seven. Dude. I heard that forty-third president of the United States. I a um, of- years ago, and I went on that. Uh, Texas trip for you mm-hmm. uh, with the Red Hawks. Uh, we had an off night. We went to a Rangers game. Oh, and uh, George W. was apparently. Was he there? He apparently was there. I, he had far better seats than I did, but uh, <laughs> but I, I think I spotted him. He was. I think he was down on the box seats, and uh, he's like, ah, I wish I would have been a little bit closer. I would have loved to. And that would have been loved a, to meet him. That would have been uh, a call. Like uh, you know, you think what you want about uh, about George W. But uh, the great line I'd pulled a cut of like, uh, uh, I hear you. Uh, we all hear you, and the people that knock these buildings down will hear from all of us soon. The line, you know, that kind of tried to bind us together and. 9-11, I think, I'd imagine he will go down as a little bit of that, right? That would be his, part of his, you know, lore yes. of, of, of of going together. Oh, so G-Dub Bush, 77. Yep. He and Sly still up. Uh, so if you want to play along, that's fine with the, your, your in honor of Sly Stallone. Brad and I are probably missing movies. I know I've got a rule, no Googling. So they, I like to, like, like Father Roy always said, you know, use your brain. Or you lose it. So I try to stay away from that. But if you do cheat, that's fine today. Uh, your number one slice stone movie and your bottom. I'm wrestling with the Rambo ones, though, because, or, or, yeah, First Blood, right? Uh, yes. The, the the First Blood was uh, Will Teasel was the sheriff. I got to tell you, that, that was just vintage Stallone. Like, how much gunfire can we have? <laughs> and can we get a, can we get a scene... Where he kills like a razorback with a butter knife and then cooks that and hides in caves. You know, that was that was Rambo, so I, I don't know. So you're top, and then you're not so good. How much money did he make in the 80s? Good, how much good mo- grief? How That's a great question. Yes. How wealthy is Stallone today? Because his filmography, I mean, even even on the worst he ones. He went through a couple of marriages. Yeah. I suppose he's probably got some daughters there. I see his his daughters are very popular in their social media stuff. Uh, Very beautiful. Um, I bet you Sly has has made in his lifetime 
about as much as Shohei Otani is going to step into uh, during his uh, <laughs> next contract. <laughs> next contract. Uh, Pablo Lopez, back up the truck. Pay him everything he needs. Well, he already signed him. They, yeah, uh, that's right. He already signed him. So, I mean, uh, back up a new truck. No, no. Yeah, yeah, back he, up a new he's, truck. He's going to be fine just where he's at. <laughs> but he was good last night. He was solid. Uh, you know, that's a it's 100 pitches, you know, 12 strikeouts. He had a string yesterday where he was just uh, – he was, he was fanning guys left and right. He had retired 15 straight from the third to the eighth inning. He had a stretch of six consecutive strikeouts. Normally, when we're revisiting the Twins, we're telling how the Twins maybe struck out this made <laughs> But it was Pablo, and then, you know, you heard Eddie Julian went deep. And uh, in Minnesota, that's what they needed. Now they can uh, hand the ball to Bailey over and, and see what he does tomorrow night against Cole Irvin. But Ober, Gray, and Ryan are pretty good weekend starters for Minnesota. We'll talk with Corey Provis tomorrow on that. And uh, in Minnesota... Uh, is good, and if they get right into the uh, in, towards the All Star break here, and maybe I'll end on a high note, the first half, so to speak. Look and see what Cleveland got here. Uh, yeah, you know they had the, I mean, they had to deal with the Braves here for three games, and uh, right. Cleveland Guardians. Oh, they got <laughs> the Royals go there, so maybe the maybe the Guardians get well against the uh, Royals, <laughs> or this yeah, or maybe the Royals get well after. Uh, well, we'll see. And not that they were down, obviously before, but uh, well. the record overall is. Uh, the Red Hawks uh, gave one back to to uh, Milwaukee last night. Uh, the Fargoborn Red Hawks uh, faced two days ago Christian Young, who was the pitcher of the month of June in the American Association. And uh, that was a battle. And uh, even though Young didn't tap with a loss, the Red Hawks got the win in that game. And last night faced uh, Gregory Mark- uh, Vasquez, and, and he has the lowest ERA in the league. So after facing a guy with a two, the Red Hawks face a guy with a one nine three, and he is not the one that's going to throw ninety nine and blow everything past you. He's the guy that's going to carve you up with, uh, you know, two or three secondary pitches and a fastball that complements at about eighty nine ninety, but looks like it's about ninety four painted somewhere in the corner. And that that was a tough one. Plus, the Hawks uh, committed three errors. It was a game where Chris Coast. I love it. They've had about two of these this year, and that's not too bad. We're in a post game show. Chris just says. That one we're just going to throw away. That's gone. We're not even going to think about that anymore. We just didn't play a good game of baseball. Uh, our bad. Let's move on. And today it's Krell Prime on the mound. So, yeah, that's you know, that's all you can do sometimes. You're going to have a couple of those. Oh, you yeah. Just, you don't uh, even want to revisit. You don't game even, season. You've right. you got to have a clunker once in a while. don't want to, want to uh, revisit that. Uh, the other thing, yesterday we had our, our Colpac mailbag. Jeffrey's out in uh, at Pebble Beach and, and, and following following Amy Olson. And, uh, you know, Amy has garnered a lot of attention. As you know, seven months uh, into a pregnancy, so obviously the 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 cameras run her, the press cameras on her, and she's out there just trying to you know she qualified for this. She is uh, six over through ten, which is unfortunate. Brad, hopefully, Amy on that that got eight holes to play uh, today in in round one, and uh, plus six right now. Obviously, you're going to have to shave that and have a real good round two to make the cut, whatever that projected cut's going to be, Brad. But that's a tough one for Amy. But bottom line is she's out there swinging and doing her thing, right? Yeah, it's uh, – I say she's just – she's bogeyed, uh, looks like, the last four holes now and uh, just one birdie on the front nine, and uh, she birdied the par 3-5, and it just kind of looks like – well, they have a lot of – there's a lot of – I don't know if it's like analytics or not for – but basically it's kind of she's – Kind of gained some strokes in her approach. Short game has kind of hurt her a little bit. Okay. And putting's kind of been, well, she's hit seven of eight fairways, but uh, here's the thing. Two of ten greens in regulation. So yeah. she kind of have been 
kind of been playing from behind in that regard. And there's a, you know, a handful of people in the red. I mean, a handful of people that are, you know, it's not like people are running away. Uh, the ladies are running away. Amy Yang and, and Heyron Yuru and, and Amari Avery, who's an amateur, uh, all leading the way at 200. That's the uh, the USGA, the Women's Open out there in Pebble. You know, uh, course familiarity. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, you know, obviously a lot of these ladies probably haven't played on Pebble. Uh, well, it's the first time they've ever had it. Yeah, the first time they've had it there, as I imagine, unless they've, they've gone out there and, and played it. Uh, so that's got to play a little bit of a factor I mean, too. Kind of what the weather. If there's, you know, if they get get some wind off the uh, off the ocean, or you know, kind of off there or something, you kind of wonder if that's a factor too. Right. So yeah, because Amy's got, you know, obviously these are all pros, and she's got a good she's, swing. So she grew up here. The weather isn't going mean, to bother her. Any. <laughs> if they say even seven months pregnant, yeah, Amy, we'll, we'll, we'll figure. We'll Amy, figure this there's going to be a little bit of breeze, and it might be sixty, sixty-two. Wow, summer in North Dakota. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. On the show today, uh, Mike Henderson, our good buddy, my old, uh, I've known Mike since I was about the size of this computer mouse, uh, head coach of South, but he's going to we're gonna promote the uh, the Lions All-Star basketball game. Uh, I love this because every year, Brad, you look on paper, and uh, when you see these guys throughout the season and gals, uh, the boys and the girls, you see all these familiar names, and you're trying to put and assess well, how the game is going to go. And uh, it's always an A-B Kind of rivalries where the B can maybe come up and flex their proverbial small-town muscles, and and the A uh, has to feel like they've got to defend the bigger cities. and It's always fun. And, and Lions Club uh, uh, does such a great job of, of, of sponsoring us. So we'll talk with Henry about some of the names. With Red just going over some of the names. I mean, you got, you know, D1 commits on this uh, on these sheets uh, here. So yeah. I, I think that'll be uh, – I think the game should play pretty well, right? You know, there's yeah, a lot of talent here. Let's see. Um, I mean, curious, you know, I think the A probably has a little bit of a maybe size, a little length advantage there, but uh, at least on the boys' side. Right. You know, I think the B boys are certainly – there's some good talent there. You know, it's kind of the one thing we didn't really have on the B side. I mean, we had some good senior talent, but there's still a lot of underclassmen, you know, on that, well, what is B, and we'll see how that gets split now with the three classes. But, uh, you know, on the girls' side, it's going to be really interesting as well. We've got uh, – uh, on the A side, Mariah Simon right. and you know Maya Metcalf and, yep. and, and uh, Bergen Kinnebrew from Century is a nice player, and you know Ashley uh, Watcha as well from Davies, and you know on that B side it's be fun to watch. You know some ones that we've followed for a long, uh, long time, the Halley Crockett's and DeConte Smiths, right? Ellie uh, Powell of Bowman County, you know, struggled in the first round at state, but really, you know, had two nice games after that. And, right, uh, yeah, the, looking forward uh, to it. Claire Cotton. I wonder if Claire's going to sing the anthem for both games. She should. She's, they're they're she's the talented done, Cottons, she's right? She's done it a few dozen times between her and Delaney. <laughs> got, yeah. the, got the uh, that the words down. So that that'll be fun. We'll talk to Henry on that uh, around the corner, and then Brad Schlossman joining us today. Haven't had Bradley on oh for a while, I guess now, and talk a little hockey, but Arizona State. Welcome aboard to the NCHC. They'll begin, uh, the, the, they accept it as the ninth member, and uh, we'll begin with the 24-25 season. Uh, Brad will talk about that, the board of directors for the NCHC announcing that. So uh, welcome Arizona State with nine. Uh, will 10 be a number that they'll be searching for with nine? You know, the whole scheduling with the pods and all that. Yep. You know, we'll talk with Brad about all of that and get his uh, thoughts and, uh, and and takes. But Arizona State, you know, uh, as far as startup programs, they're like the 
the Bismarck legacies and Cheyennes of the world that didn't take long to start competing, right. if I can equate that to a high school scene, yep, uh, ASU did that, right? Yeah, to do it as an independent. I mean, they made the tournament in 19, so they did it within less than five years, <laughs> and I believe would have made it in 20 had it not been for the pandemic. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've seen some guys from this area go down there. I know Kyle Smolin, member of the force, is going to play down there. And yeah, it's you know they they got an arena built. A nice little five thousand seat arena, and and they're they're in play in uh, in college hockey. Suppose there's some of the I uh, know we reach Canada. Suppose there's some of the old guard in Canada going hockey in Arizona, just as sacrilegious in this. You know, it's like these hockey towns are just popping up in warm weather states yep. and cities, and and it is what it is. Hockey is becoming more vast and certainly popular in 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 those. Neck Would of the we ever? I mean, it's it had a lot of success. Well, Phoenix hasn't been a good market for the NHL, but Tampa has, and what what Miami did right? and Florida did this year. I mean, uh, are you ever going to see more college programs maybe pop up south of the Mason Dixon line? Yeah. Well, if they are, they'll be in Las Vegas where everything else is going. <laughs> <laughs> How about those running rebels? They are fantastic. Hey, you know, there you go. Know, that's good. Uh, we'll step aside. Mike Hendrickson uh, coming up uh, around the corner. I know we got to get Mike in now because he's got a meeting also as well. And Brad Schlossman, your text, uh, happy birthday to Sly Stallone, your top Sly Stallone movie, and your least favorite Sly Stallone movie on the text club at 35270. Jack Michael Show, Brad Anderson today on 740 The Fan. Rolling through a... Thursday afternoon, Jack Michael Show. Jack Michael's Brad Anderson in studio. Mike Hendrickson, coach of the Fargo South Bruins, and uh, certainly has been well plugged into the basketball scene for, and I don't want to age Mike or me, let's just say a couple of years. Uh, Mike and I, old Willis and I guys, but Henry, good to, good to hear your voice. I know you guys are about ready to dot some I's and cross some T's, but the I, I was looking at the some of the promotional stuff, and I thought the 47th annual showcase of the Lions All-Star Basketball Series. 47 years this has been going on, uh, Mike. That's that's incredible right there, isn't it? It, it really is. You know, these, these uh, Lions guys have done a wonderful job with this thing for, you know, since it's been started and, you know, going way back when and all the games, you know, first started with boys and then evolved into the boys and girls games. And, and I've been involved with it for about 20 years now, and it just seems like, wow, this thing has uh, just been rolling greatly. The, uh, the we'll get to you know some of the names and and and, and the the girls and boys that are involved and number of them that are heading on to play basketball at the next level. Uh, it, it's an all star game in the summer, and some would say, well, maybe their their hearts, you know, in the summer everybody's where you know you know Mike, we were all young, Brad, you're young once a summer when you played sports. That was for maybe a, for us who probably hitters like Lake Sakakawi or Spring Lake or out here in the Lakes country. So it's, it's sometimes you think you're not going to get a competitive game because they're a couple months removed from the sport that they played. But that's not the case, is it, Mike? We've had some. This is this is some high level stuff. They're they're ready to get after it, right? You really are. You know, it, it's so neat. You know, and as, as basketball has changed over time here, you know, there's all these travel basketball tournaments in the AAU process of the summers and stuff. So, you know, I, I would say ten years ago, the, it was the kids didn't like each other because they didn't know each other. <laughs> now they've all played with each other. Now it's that hey, I want to beat my friend. I want to beat the guy that's on my team or the gal that's on my team. You know, when we're playing in the summers and we're playing in the springs and stuff. And so, I mean, I tell you what, the last uh, ten years, these games have been so competitive. I mean. You know, there were times there have been some blowouts, but, you know, in those 10 years, it's been like like last year it came down to the buzzer and boys' games. Girls' games have had a couple overtimes in the last couple of years. So, I mean, it is, it, it's so competitive, just like you said. 
Mike, I've you know I've talked with uh, your cohort, Michael Sorley, of kind of the process because usually uh, he's usually picking my brain about all state stuff, and then I will ask him about uh, some of the Lions stuff. But just kind of go. I know you guys meet during right around the state tournament, uh, state tournament time, and just kind of go through the process of how you select the uh, select rosters. You know what we do is Mike and I get together, and you know it, it, it doesn't just take place in a in a one day deal. I mean we're watching film all year long on mm-hmm. the kids in the different regions, the different you know the, the EEC and the WDA. And then, you know, we have a lot of communications amongst ourselves, and, we, you know, we try to come up with a list. Um, you know, Mike, with his number on the B side, there's a ton more kids, but what they've done is uh, that he has a group of about eight coaches from the guy side, eight coaches from the girl side, and, and they also put in from the regions and those type of things. And uh, then we get together with the coaches and the, the teams that win the state tournament and take second in the state tournament with those coaches, and then we try to make this process of going, you know, so – you know, we want to make sure we have some post players, we have some point guards on each team, and, and it is, it's not just a, hey, you know, let's just pick this kid because we like him. I mean, we put a lot of process into it and stats and all that good stuff, and, you know, it, it is quite a process. You know, through the years, uh, to that point, Henry, and this is showcasing the, the seniors, you know, these are always has been the seniors, the seniors. Has there ever been in your two decades, or maybe even uh, heard prior to that, making this an all-star type game, meaning like, all right, anybody can be invited uh, through some of the state's uh, top talent, regardless of age level, or the fact that it's a senior saying, no, let's not even bring it up. This is a chance to showcase them and kind of a reward for them uh, in their last partic- uh, high school game, I guess. Talk about that. You know, I think it's more of that. I think it's more of that reward that, you know, you put in all your time to do this and Granted, every year you say, hey, you know, we got a great freshman or there's a great junior or something like that. But we've kind of said, you know what, this is, this is for the seniors. And, and, again, you know, we put a lot of responsibilities on these kids about how they can act and what they can do. I mean, they get a list of about 20 different rule specifics that, that they can't do or they have to be able to cover this. And, and they do a little fundraising for themselves to help, you know, cover some of the costs. And it also helps out the Lions in their, in their bid. And, and it's just such a – it is that reward part of it, and it's such a, a great moment when, when you know, and here in Fargo, I'm around most of the guys in that situation about how these, these lines are just so proud to shake a hand of a kid that was an old state player or something like that. So we, we've never really ever talked about doing it younger. It's been basically based on this, this group of seniors. Yeah, and, and I'm good, Brad. You were nodding too as Mike was talking. As I was, uh, I'm for that. That that's good. It should be a little bit of reward for those. I, I, I think so. Maybe some kids that maybe weren't. Uh, you know, maybe he didn't make the All-State team. I'm gonna like I'm gonna use Sam Cobervig of Central Cass. He didn't make, uh, wasn't an All-State player, but was worthy. I mean, what he did at the state tournament, sure. how clutch he was at the state tournament, and what a team player he was. I'm just using him as an example. I mean, that's that's a good reward for somebody like that, and that's just one example. That, that's exactly it. I mean, that's why you know I've got all four rosters sitting in front of me here, and it's it, it's just that you know these. This might not be, you know, the the best old state kid, but he was the, maybe one of the best kids in the region. That the coaches said, "Hey, you know what? This kid really deserves it because of what he or she, how they acted during the year, what they represented, how they led their teams, and those type of things." And so it is. It's kind of a, a little pat on the back in that situation. It'll start out in the capital city on Monday, and uh, Fargo South. It's been moved to Fargo South for Tuesday, the eleventh. Uh, Brad and I were chatting, Mike, and let's not get ourselves. I think there still is an a. As much as these guys know each other, and, and you know, guys like us back in the day, Mike, you know, you didn't have Facebook, and there's no social media. You didn't, you know, you heard of people. I heard who who, who Mark Johnson was at Grand Forks, and you know, I heard who Doug Schlicht was at Fargo. So I heard uh, never never caught, talked to him until these All Star games. But is there still a little 
we're from the A, got something to prove. We're from the B, you, you shouldn't overlook us. Do you feel that uh, still? Oh, very much so. Yeah. I mean, it's so neat. You know, I get to, I get to sit here. At, you know, we have two gyms going. I go back and forth, and you just see how the the two or four different coaches run the game. You know, run their practices and stuff like that. And and you know, and how competitive you know the coaches are. That hey, you know what? You guys are you guys are B. You're not supposed to win this, or you guys are A. You know, you're supposed to win this, or vice versa. You know, it's just they go. The coaches bring that intensity in, and then all of a sudden, you you know, the kids practice for about three, four practices before they go play. And then it's like by practice number four, they're just they're ready to roll. I mean, both sides, and they, no one wants to lose this game. And just probably it's a little bit of that pride on both sides. Have you uh, over your coaching years? I'm trying to think if this was just a state tournament thing, or if it was a Lions thing, where either the gals or the guys like they all either get together and wear the same type of maybe a different type of shirt or bleach their hair blonde like everybody on the team. I'm like, there's a little bit of that bonding too, isn't there? Hey, hey, there is, and I don't even know what year it is, but I still got the the book sitting somewhere in my house, I think. But uh, the boys went out and got mohawks. That's right. And from the, from the A team, and we were like, "What the heck were you guys doing?" So you know, we kind of—I don't know if we have a rule about haircuts anymore, but we kind of said, "Please don't do that." Cause you're going to be in this this program for life, it seems like. So, so yeah, they, you know, they do they, they do so much bonding. It's it's a lot of fun. I mean, you, you'll see, like we get together uh, on Monday, the boys will go over to Bismarck for the game and when they show up and you just see that that camaraderie and they get together with the girls and the guys and all the all the talking you know kind of say we did this or we did that and and uh, so it is just, it's just a lot of fun any talk on now with three classes how that's going to work uh, going in the future for you guys well we we have our state coaches meeting in two weeks coming up here mm-hmm. and that's where we're going to make the decision and it's it's kind of you know we're in the process of it right now trying to figure things out and you know, we'll we'll make a decision, and probably half the people will like it, and half the people won't. But you know, we're gonna—it's gonna be one of those things that it's gonna be fluid. It's gonna be in motion. If year one doesn't work the way we want it to, we'll probably come back and revisit it and say, "Hey, let's try it this way." Much like the and three I, class, I think, you know, much yeah, like the three class three proposal classes, as a whole. Yes. <laughs> yep. Exactly. It's it's gonna be the same thing. I mean, it's gonna be continually moving to figure out what we do, and you know, we want to just give kids the opportunity to play in a game like this. Because I mean, I played in this game like back in 1986, and. And I still remember some of the stuff we did. And so it is, it's a great thing for, for every one of these kids to be part of. What a memory. Uh, Mike, Mike's got to get going here. He's got a meeting coming up. I imagine right after the State A tournament ended, you're thinking, great, now what do I got to do to game plan for Fargo North? <laughs> Who just obviously, you know, the, the old rival there, South and North, Mike. But I'm uh, certainly happy for Travis and the club. But that was uh, that was quite a state tournament, wasn't it? This year's Class A was phenomenal all the way around. You know, Century coming in undefeated and, and, and getting knocked off. And, and you know, Davies having a really great team. And, you know, North, I'll tell you what, I just, I, I, you know, like you said, we've already been preparing. How do you prepare for something like that? They're they're uh, they're just loaded. And uh, they're even getting a little better next year. And so um, it's going to be, i tell you what, um, I don't want to say everybody's playing for second, but I tell you what, we got to get after him. And Travis will do a wonderful job with his kid, just the demeanor and the way he treats people and, so yeah, it's uh, it's and you know there's not a single kid on this roster from Fargo North, so that means there's uh, a lot of those kids are coming back again. So uh, <laughs> Mike just mentioned the most frightening thing if you're an EDC coach, by the way, <laughs> in boys basketball. Going all right now, what do you got to do? That's uh, hey, that's what it's all about, though. And it's about rising up and getting it done. Uh, Mike, I know tickets probably available at the door, but if, any other information? I mentioned at Bismarck High, correct on Monday, and then at South. Yep. On Tuesday, but what about tickets for fans and friends and all that kind of stuff? 
you know, the, the easiest thing is, is at the door. Um, I know here in town that um, one of our one of our corporate major sponsors is um, like you know, like Bell Bank might have some. Dakota Community First might have some. Um, you know, they're they're just. I have to say, the door would be the goal, or have to contact a Lions member and go that route. Yeah, good. And you'll have concessions. That's some, uh, maybe I buried the lead. Yeah. For you, just yeah. for you, just yeah. for you, we'll have hey, concessions. I like those South concessions. Those are pretty good. The hot dogs <laughs> are great. Uh, you're going to get a lot of different variety. <laughs> I like to see it. Henry, uh, good luck to the boys and the girls in this. It's always a great showcase and opportunity for the fans to see these uh, young uh, athletes uh, one more time. Michael, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you. Hopefully we'll catch up in the summer again, buddy. Okay. Hey, take care. You got a Mike Hendrickson uh, with the uh, Lions All-Star Basketball Games. Uh, that is set for Monday and Tuesday. Monday at Bismarck High, and then Tuesday at Fargo South. Mike is also the coach of the Fargo South Bruins and a really good guy. And and when you've done something for 20 years, Michael Sorty the same way. Yep. Uh, when you, uh, Glenn Orvick, I mean, a lot of the people that are involved in in uh, this thing, when you're with that for two decades, three decades, four decades, yeah, there's still people out there that care a little bit about uh, about events, Brad. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's very true. Like I said, I, I've been friends with Michael uh, Michael Sorley for a long time, and I know he's kind of gotten out of basketball coaching, but he's the, the basketball in him is still still very much uh, still very much in play as an official. I know he puts a lot of time into this. Could you imagine? It's uh, you're going to have a, a shoot around practice on the Sunday before the Monday All Star game, and you tell the the fellas to to you know, all right, meet me at the gym at da da da, da and they all come in and uh, everyone has shaved their hair into a, a mohawk <laughs> for for team unity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing against it. If you have one, great. I I, I understand mullet. Yeah. I got my hair cut yesterday. Turns out mullets are back in style. It's a better look for some than others. Okay, so let's put it that way. <laughs> I mean, I learned a lot. It turns out yeah. mullets. The the Andrea who did my hair, she goes, "Oh yeah, mullets are back in." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh good." Now, I don't know about the whole strip down the middle. Maybe that's in too. I, I mean, each her own. I guess that's. Uh, I see, Derek is set with a mullet. I'm yeah. not sure if that would work. Or not. <laughs> Derek heading Maybe on to what? I don't know. Yeah, Derek heading on to North Dakota State, correct? And then yes. the, the big fella uh, from Century, Ryan Erickson, Erickson yeah. heading to North Dakota, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And just to uh, throw a couple out there, but uh, yeah, and as you mentioned, the, I Did think Zach Crafts, a UND, right? right? Come in, Zach Craft. Uh, remember, right in front of us. Yes. Uh, it was in a celebratory mode. Oh, after, he, he landed so right? awkwardly, and we were really worried about it. Like, sincerely <laughs> like, concerned that, yes. that are they going to have enough to play in the title? Yeah, because that was a – you're right. The A and the B were both great, yep. but that A, Brad, Ooh, that holy a. cow, was that – that was like watching two scenes of that, Braveheart. That, like, that, like, that Friday that. night, I mean, with you know Red River coming back the way they did against Davies and then North, what they did, and that championship, I mean, that – that having been in there a few times for some of the region tournaments in Region One to see how electric the shack can be, that, sure. that, this this just overtook everything. It was, it's almost it was, like it was we, phenomenal. You probably got this feeling when we left the gym after doing some of those games, and you were doing a lot of those games. No, yeah. uh, when you leave the gym and you're kind of even you yourself are exactly. a little like you've been. You know I'm tired, that was, yeah. right, You know that was. <laughs> imagine what the kids were thinking. Right. But yeah, as a broadcast, like oh. Like, dang, that was a, that was a lot. Spent. <laughs> That's what that was all about. Hopefully, it has that kind of flavor. You know, at least some good uh, good hoop on Monday and Tuesday. So, thank you, Michael, for joining us. Uh, Arizona State 
in the NCHC. What's the next step? What is it? Is there a next step? How big uh, can the conference get? Who would be the next ones? Or if nine's the number, what about the parameters moving forward? How will this? Uh, is it a, is a recruiting tool just having hockey uh, that is now in the NCHC at ASU? As you mentioned, Brad, some guys signing down there. Does UND have to? Is is all of that stuff? Brad Schlossman will talk about that coming up. Hawks baseball tonight. C Prime on the hill. At Newman Outdoor Field, we hope you get out to that. So lots going on uh, around the region. We'll have uh, Mr. Slossman coming up next on 740 The Fan. be told we were having a uh, you know a schlossman withdrawal you know it's a during the season you know we like to get brad on but you know the summer hits and we we're brad and i are going through a little brad schlossman withdrawal so we you know thought we'd bring talk a little hockey here oh and the fact that arizona state i guess yeah is, is walking into the nchc bradley uh, uh how you do how's your summer going have you had any time off uh, a little bit, but uh, it seems like the, the news never really stops, and uh, that was the case uh, this week. Yeah, there's no off season in there's hockey. No Don't kid yourself, there's, right, Schloss? <laughs> like three hours of an off season because yeah, that that's it. Uh, so uh, not news to you, obviously, Brad. I'm sure you. Uh, this was on the horizon, and, and you're always about three steps ahead of everybody else when it comes to, to covering this stuff. So I won't ask anything about that, except maybe in the wake now of this news, a ninth member in the conference. Let's just start plain and simple there. Nine members in the conference. What does that mean to you? Well, first of all, it's the uh, first time this league has ever had an odd number of teams. I, I think they've... Uh, enjoy having an even number of teams for a number of reasons. It's fairly easy to come up with a bracket for the conference tournament. Uh, They've set it up. So the last uh, four weeks of the year, every season, every team is playing and there's an equal number of games. Uh, Every team plays the last week of the season. That can't be the case uh, anymore. Someone's going to have a bye week the last week, of the regular season. So they're going to, there's going to be some uh, awkwardness that wasn't there before uh, you know, the, the Summit League has dealt with this on the basketball side, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how the schedules fit together, how they end up uh, doing the postseason tournament, and, um, you know, we'll see uh, how all of this ends up going because this is a first for the league. Smarter minds, I guess, uh, well, out there, I mean, it's not the first league that, like you just mentioned, that it had to figure out some type of equitable uh, uh, parameters, whether it be you're playing pods and rotation series and all of that uh, kind of thing, Brad. But, uh, you know, on the outset, is this a welcome addition in your estimation or a little bit of a and, – and if I say a wrench, that connotates a bad, a bad welcome to the league. Yeah. But you know what I'm getting at, right, Brad? Yeah, for sure. No, I, I think this is a really good move for the league, and um, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think that's why they're willing to go to nine teams, because Arizona State adds a lot to the league. Uh, you know, I, I think you, first of all, have a, a big-name school, brand-name, a great athletic department, and a hockey program. You know, they had all this behind Arizona State when they applied in 2016. What they didn't have is any track record of success. They did not play in a building that was viable. Mm. They played in the building that uh, was built in, you know, the 70s, seated like less than 800 people. Uh, You know, you could almost skate along the side and 
put your stick up in the air and hit the ceiling. Oh. <laughs> it was uh, not a viable facility whatsoever. The, you know, And I think once they answered those two questions, and it was only a matter of time before they did, that's when they were going to become a really, really attractive member. And all of a sudden, they've built their program, had success. And now this past year, they opened up a brand new arena that's nice enough to where an NHL team actually plays there as well. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I think Arizona State does add a lot to the league. And I think uh, league members, once they got those pieces in order, everyone was quite uh, excited and eager to add them. Do you lose a little bit of a, is, obviously it's another team. And, and in regards to recruiting, Brad, uh, is this a, a, another hurdle? Because the option after everything you just said is such a nice viable option uh, does this make the others kind of have to increasingly step up their 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 urge and recruitment? Uh, no doubt. I think this is a, a, a program that is going to be able to recruit uh, at a high level. They can offer something no other team in college hockey can offer. They can uh, offer the, the kid spending his winters in Arizona that he's going to go right. to the rink and he's going to walk out in shorts. Right. And that does not happen anywhere else. So, <laughs> I, I think that is, you know, they've already re- they've recruited really well out of the transfer portal. You know, Alex Young from Colgate was one of the most coveted players uh, coming into the portal this year. Arizona State got him. So, you know, they are going to recruit some really good players. This is a program that has potential to be one of the top in college hockey. And it's it doesn't make the league any easier. It's been a really, really challenging league. Uh, the NCHC's won five of the last seven national championships. And, you know, I, I think this, uh, you know, it doesn't make it an easier league. I think Arizona State's going to be contending as well. With uh, that number at nine, maybe some questions about Miami, how long they might be in the league, how may they be viable. Does that, that with Miami, you know, what they decide to do maybe in the next couple of years, you know, that maybe step A before you get to step B and start thinking about adding other teams to the mix? That's exactly where I think they're at right now. Um, you know, I think the question is, when do you go to 10 to make it an even number again? And uh, Miami has been not so subtle in uh, sharing that they are not the happiest in the NCHC. Uh, you know, it's a, they have quite a bit of travel. You know, I think Western might be the only team they bought to. Um, they, they haven't had success. They were a powerhouse back in the old CCHA. And when the NCHU was put together, you looked at the collection of teams and you said, wow, one of these teams is going to have to finish last. Uh, a team that's really used to having success is going to have to finish last. And it's been Miami. And uh, they've really struggled in the league. And I think they uh, believe in a different league. They could be a really successful team. Uh, That being said, uh, they did vote to add Arizona State. Um, At the April meetings where all the league members go to, there was no push this year from Miami to leave the league. So, um, you know, nothing is imminent in that sense. But I, if I'm the NCHC, I want to make sure Miami is 100% committed and that they're in it for the long run uh, before adding a 10th team. And if they drop out, then you're back at eight. And then, uh, But if they commit long-term and you are confident that they are staying in the league, 
then maybe you go out and get the 10th team. Really well put. Brad Schlossman, award-winning uh, sports writer, Grand Forks uh, Herald. The uh, How many more Arizona states are out there on the horizon, uh, Brad? Uh, it seems like after you talked about that, you know, you talk about the sharing and the, and the Coyotes uh, sharing in there in Arizona. It's a brand-name school with the big Arizona state. Everybody and their mother knows and father knows what that is. How many more Arizona states are out there in your estimation for hockey? Well, I think that's kind of the fun speculation right now. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that has to be attractive to athletic directors, and, and first of all, it, it does take money to start up a program and quite a bit of it. That being said, uh, the two big name schools that have added hockey in the last 10 years, Penn State and Arizona State, um, both ended up getting their new arenas done. I think Arizona State said they had $3 million in ticket sales this year in a 5,000-seat arena. Um, and, and it is a sport where you can be profitable uh, if it's done well. And I think when you look at those two teams and see that it didn't take them all that long to make NCAA tournaments, that has to be something other yeah. athletic directors, if they have the money to start up a team and some of the infrastructure in place, that they say, hey, this would this might be a really good long term investment. So, uh, who will it be? That's uh, you know I think if that's something college hockey fans love to speculate about and take guesses on. Sure. And it's pretty fun fun game to play. Um, <laughs> and so I, I would be curious to see who it would be. You know, there's there's certainly been rumors. You know, is Navy going to start a program? Is Illinois going to start a program? Um, there there are a lot of teams that have kind of flirted with it. Um, but uh, we'll see when, when one uh, actually uh, takes the jump. Yeah, that uh, Mullet Arena, is that right? Is, is, is that the name yep. of it? Yeah. Five, when you said 5,000, and I think they sectioned off maybe if maybe not even 1,000 for the students on that, and you wonder about profit profitability on that. But, boy, when you pack it and you sell it, you, you certainly can. You get on the map, uh, Brad. I mean, look at North Dakota. I mean, they're not only successful in all the mm-hmm. championships and all that. They've got the, the big, beautiful Taj Mahal of rinks. Yeah. But, again, everybody wants a piece of that clothing. Everybody wants a, a ticket. Everybody you know is making plans to grab a suite. I mean, yeah, you're right, Brad. It, it, it can it can happen. You can catch lightning in a bottle, I'd imagine. But yeah. but there is a there's a danger in there, too. Those are big dice to roll for some schools, I'd imagine. For sure, you know, it's not easy to come up with the initial money to start it up. There's no doubt about it. There are a lot of teams, I think, that would love to do it. But getting that money to start it up is uh, another story. It takes a lot of money to start up a program. Um, and But if, if a team can do it and do it right, uh, there is a pathway to uh, hockey being a profitable sport at the D1 level and something that fans really enjoy. Uh, I think if you watch Penn State games, that arena is packed. If you watch Arizona State games this last year, that arena was packed. So uh, it, it's a sport that I think fans have come to uh, enjoy at these places. And uh, But, yeah, you're, you're, there's no doubt about it that getting that initial money to start up is not easy. I wonder, you mentioned, and we'll let you get going here, Brad, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure for years you've heard – so-and-so should have hockey, 
So and so should have hockey. So and so, just a built in rivalry. So and so should have hockey. I guarantee you, Brad, over your years of covering the sports that you do and certainly hockey mainly, uh, you've, you've heard that. I, I, I'm curious how many institutions you've heard people talk about should have hockey, right? I, you know, I would say probably 50. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured. <laughs> I mean, and there's, there's different reasons. Of course, it's like, you know, well, uh, geography, Arizona state has one. When's Arizona going to start there? They yeah. have the club program. It's, could you imagine what Oregon's hockey jerseys would look like? Oh. They should have hockey. <laughs> could you imagine um. what Boise state's hockey ice would look like? Okay. Wait, wait what, <laughs> maybe the first blue ice. Oh man. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, uh, we were joking that it just, everything's going to Vegas anyway, Brad, it just Las Vegas wants it all. So let's just put on, hey. right. They they do, and Las Vegas's club program has certainly uh, made no secret that their desire is to be Division One there, and they have said that for years. But again, it's that initial money uh, hurdle that they've been fighting. But uh, the UNLV definitely would love to be a D1 team. It's just not imminent at all right now. That cost of travel, I'll finish on this, because well, you talk to Schloss once, and he sparks a lot of things in your head when you're talking about <laughs> this, but having done games in the big sky for University of North Dakota, and then them shifting over to the Valley in football and, and a summit and all that, and part of that reason why that was a better fit, obviously, uh, there were some costs involved in that, and costs can, can sometimes dictate directions of universities, and and, and so you want to you cut those, you be strong in the conference that, that you're in, geographically fit and boom, now now you've got traction. You feel comfortable in, in this kind of thing. But that's a very good thing. In the NCHC, and, and you guys talked a little bit about Miami of Ohio, are, are there are there any concerns uh, with that line of thinking for a number of these schools? Or does that really not come up in the NCHC with the schools, the travel costs? And all? For sure it does. And that was something I asked uh, the commissioner yesterday in the press conference because Miami's AD, in an interview about a year ago, uh, suggested that uh, he said he does not want to, you know, go through another time zone to play sports, and that if the NCHC is going in that direction, it might cause them to think differently about the league. Well, how did they end up coming to vote for it? Hmm. And, and uh, Commissioner Heather Weems said the scheduling model that they have previously, you had one opponent that you played four times a year, uh, guaranteed, and other ones you know, kind of went on a rotating basis. Well, now there's two that you're going to play four times a year. Um, your two closest opponents. So for North Dakota, it is now St. Cloud and Duluth. And through this pod scheduling model, she said um, it does not raise expenses. And in some cases, it's actually going to decrease expenses for travel. The other thing, uh, Arizona State, very easy to get to. Uh, Phoenix uh, is one of the easier destinations in the league to travel to just by the number of uh, flights that go to Phoenix and the size of the flights. Good point. So um, this was actually, you know, travel is definitely something that comes up when you talk about league members. And this was just a really good fit both for the pod scheduling model and just how easy Phoenix is to get to. You and I and Brad could jump on Allegiant and fly to Arizona for like $58 today. (laughs) I know. He'd be right in Mesa. Now, now you do have to pay for your luggage, and when you're a hockey team, my guess is that might just the goalie gear alone is going to run that price up on that. Uh, Schloss, good stuff. Uh, Nice job. Great coverage, as always, and uh, good insight. 
Uh, don't be a stranger. I'm sure we'll reach out and chat again. But uh, enjoy your uh, enjoy your summer, and uh, maybe you'll get a day off on one of these days. Sound good? <laughs> Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Brad. Brad Schlossman joining us today, award winning. Uh, Brad Schlossman, and always uh, good stuff on the hockey. Uh, overhearing all of that, Brad, in, yes. in the in the wake of it, do you think? Okay, this is going to fit nicely in the oh, NCAA. I, I saw that right? story yesterday. I said, that's a good fit. Just a I, good I, fit. I, and I think this has probably been in the works for a while. Um, they had to work around the scheduling issues. Um, you know, the Miami thing's a wild card because if they do hang around, then you maybe start looking for 10. Do you maybe look at St. Thomas because right. they got a new arena coming? Yeah. Um, I always think of Mankato. I mean, you know, is Mankato okay where they're at in the CCHA with all the success they've had? And granted, they got to reload and they get right. the, Mike Hastings left, took a few players with him, took some coaches with him too. So, you know, they, maybe they're going to be fine where they are in the CCHA. But St. Thomas might be a wild card in this thing once they get the hmm. once they get the arena built. That's um, a good call. Yeah, I they mean, got 150 million going into their right. uh, I mean, new you, facility. You Twin Cities market. And they should be able to should be able to recruit fairly well. Um, much like we've talked about, like their maybe their stay in the Summit League may not be permanent. <laughs> right. um, they might be a good fit for the NCHC for a lot of reasons. Seems like yeah. Seems like once they made that commitment, their 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 track is pretty fast on the upward from a competitive balance and even from fundraising and facilities. Uh, with with St. Thomas on that. And we're always busy when we see an odd number to think about to take it to the next level, meaning it's nine now to go to ten. And sometimes you forget about it. Sometimes nine can become eight, and that itself uh, is is more viable. Yeah, but, and I, yeah I guess we'll, we'll see what Miami does. But I think that, that step's going to, going to probably see where they do in the future. And, I mean, this is the first expansion they've had, and it's been over a decade now. The uh, good stuff, uh, Brad. Appreciate that as well as uh, Mike Hendrickson joining us today. As we had a little teaser in there, inside into the Lions All Star uh, Boys and Girls Basketball game. Update on Amy Olson today at Pebble. Uh, she's seven over through thirteen, so plus seven in round one. Remember, uh, she'll tee off tomorrow afternoon. You know, uh, and, and for the second round. And right now, hopefully, maybe Amy in those final six uh, or five, six holes, four or five holes, uh, can maybe get some birdies in there. Uh, cut that down, shave a little bit more tomorrow, and who knows what that cut's going to be. There's 156 players in this tournament, uh, but uh, wishing her the best. But seven over right now through 13. Twins off today. They get a chance to knock around the Orioles again uh, this weekend starting tomorrow. Corey Provost will join us coming up on tomorrow's show, Talking Twins with Corey's. We do every Friday. I encourage you to tune in. Get out to Newman Outdoor Field tonight. Bring your ears along. Red Hawks in Milwaukee, the rubber game of that series of last year's. It's a rematch of last year's championship series uh, c prime on the hill tonight our coverage begins at 6 40 common man is coming up next stick around uh, right here on 740 the phantom 107.3 fm we are knfl